come from? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The from outer space. All right, we're good. Y'all ready for this? What's up? Once again, it's the podcast from outer space. It's your boy, Rob Scott. We got Teabag in the house tonight. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. And as always, it's Ryan Scott. Aloha, everybody. And we're back to getting a little spooky, boys. Uh, getting into the old Egyptian Book of the Dead tonight. Well, I mean, first off, welcome to Halloween, right? This is Halloween. Uh, and you guys seen the Joker yet? Looking at two of them right now. <laughs> You got a padded cell, dude? I heard good things, but I have not seen it yet. All right, come on. You guys are late. You guys need to catch up. Did you see it? Yes, I did. When? Great film. When? Uh, I saw it a few weeks ago. Did you pirate it? Uh, I did not. I saw it in the theater. Great movie to see in theater. (laughs) He's winking at me, guys. That means that he pirated it. Now, all that aside, we are kicking off the Halloween series with, as Rob said, the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Um, well, now is that a little bit of a misnomer? Yes, it, I think it is actually, which we will get into as always. Um, we'll get to that later. What I've tried to do with this is give like a history of the book, quote unquote. Um, you know, how it was discovered, what's in it, that type of shit, even get into some mummies. Because, as to answer Rob's question, really, this one uh begins, gentlemen, with Brendan Fraser. I mean, I'm watching The Mummy. And I'm thinking, hell, I mean, this is a good episode. I love... Uh, a good episode. It's a fucking movie. <laughs> but I'm saying, no, I'm saying, like, <laughs> this would be a good episode when she's reading Brennan from Frazier? the... Brendan Fraser? No, when she's reading from the book. And then, you know, like, Pyramids episode, that was good. Rob, you're a big pyramid guy. Mommy's... Adam loves curses and that type of shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was reading all the curses on the Pyramids episode, you know? This guy loves that type of shit. I'm more into the mommies. Yeah, even the mummification process, we'll get into a little bit of that. And mummies, you know, I always, ever since I saw the film, The Mummy, I always wondered if the book was real. We're not talking about the Tom Cruise version here, guys. Yeah, yeah, you know, Brendan Fraser, I said, begins with Brendan Fraser. Now, I'm thinking, does that exist? Uh, Am I alone in that? Did you guys ever wonder that, seeing the film? Do you remember the film? Bet your ass I do. Yeah, wasn't that like one of the last things Brendan Fraser was in? Didn't he get like blacklisted from Hollywood? Isn't that something I see on the internet all the time? Well, I think he got like me too'd. You like can I pull out about <laughs> Brendan Fraser? No, I'm not. I'm just, I always see those videos that's like, this is why you don't hear from Brendan Fraser. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I've literally <laughs> yeah. never seen that. Yeah, I think it was like he started balding, really let himself go, and then he got like sexually assaulted or something, and it really like took a he toll got on him. sexually assaulted? Yeah, yeah, I'm not even kidding. I, I, no, I oh, actually wow. might be making that up. That might be a comedy thing I saw. <laughs> but I swear to God, I fucking read that. How is that a comedy? No, I mean, like, you know, people are, I don't, dude, I don't know. I didn't write the fucking thing. I'm just saying. <laughs> and in other news, I Brendan sw- Fraser got sexually assaulted. <laughs> no, okay. This is not turning into a Brendan Fraser episode. But I swear to God, I read that. And if I'm wrong, apologies to Brendan. Hell of an actor. 
We'd we love to have you on the show. The show. <laughs> yeah. See where you've been all these years. <laughs> um, no, am I alone in that? When you guys saw The Mummy, did you think like, man, does this book really exist? Like, It's like the, almost like the shit in Evil Dead. I mean, I just assumed that it did. I didn't really <laughs> think that it was made up. Dude, all I remember from the mummy, isn't that where like all them little scarab beetles crawl into people and like Yeah, oh fl- yeah. Yeah, flesh eaters they're called. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, that's the same thing. Now or that's the same movie, but you uh so that's the only thing you recall. You don't uh <laughs> remember any of the other film? Any more no, of the I film? Don't. No. Okay. Um so I guess, you know, given all that that's kind of where the episode starts. Now, granted, the actual book is not like in the film, but nonetheless, still very interesting, very intriguing. So, you know, I think that kind of brings us up, that kind of catches us up on what we know. I mean, did you know anything else of like the Book of the Dead before this episode? I did not, but I soon found out that there are actually multiple books of the dead. We'll get into that later on in the outline, though. As we will. Uh, now, teabag. Anything from you? I mean, you're a teacher. You were teaching kids about Egypt and shit, right? Yeah, not so much about the Book of the Dead, but definitely the mummification process. And there was a bunch, I saw a bunch of videos while doing research for this episode on that. It's still a pretty cool process in my book. A pretty cool process. Well, that's that's actually perfect because I have your name as the example for our mummy. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) So let's hop right into it, guys. I mean... Starting off, I mean, you know, it is said that the Egyptians cared more about the afterlife than anything else. Now, why do we think this is? I mean, this is a question right up top. Uh, What do you think that's all about? Well, see, like I said, I was watching some YouTube videos, like History Channel documentaries and stuff earlier. And like these guys were like having a discussion and they were like, so they were like goth before it was cool being goth i guess like the guy that had the first like actual book of the dead i forget his name i know it starts with an a but him and this guy are like having a conversation they're like dude we're gonna die death is imminent is like super emo super goth kind of thing okay so your your assessment on ancient egyptians is that they were just emo (laughs) they were the original emo kids (laughs) i mean yeah i get like I was laughing because it was exactly this. I was like, man, these guys are all so worried about like, oh, what's going to happen in the afterlife? And then, spoiler alert, when they get there, it sounds pretty shitty. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like like people nowadays are like, YOLO, like I'm going to worry about living now. I ain't worried about what happens when I die. Live in the moment. Yeah, exactly. Stay in the moment, be in the moment. Now, Rob, what's your theory here? Egyptians obsessed with the afterlife. What do we got? Living la vida loca, baby. I mean, and I'm just going out on a limb here. Let's say they actually did talk to the aliens. <laughs> They're seeing this crazy fucking technology they never seen before, and then those motherfuckers shoot back into the sky, and they're probably thinking to themselves, damn, we're going to end up like these guys after we die. So okay, maybe so. they're thinking that whatever is afterlife is going to be like way better than what they're currently experiencing in ancient Egypt, which unless you're the <laughs> fucking Pharaoh sounds like a dog shit life to me. Okay. Now, so you're saying no offense though, to Egypt though, shout out to all my Egyptians out there. Now, I guess what you're kind of getting at is, uh, maybe they didn't. Oh, so we're hitting them with aliens right off the bat. You know it. And nice. they were in contact with these 
space aliens, and then they went up to space, and they were like, oh, that's where we go when we die? Maybe they didn't go into space. Maybe they just saw them go into space, and they were like, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're going up there one day, too. That shit looks pretty cool. Pretty okay. crazy. So they thought that space, being an astronaut like Buzz Aldrin, would be dying. Possibly. Okay. Hey. Now, also, I'm thinking this could possibly be like a Walt Disney-type scenario. Um, are you guys familiar? You know, Disney got his head frozen so that, like, if technology advanced enough, they could bring him back. Oh, some Futurama-type shit? Just his head? Yeah, just his head, apparently. And it's somewhere in the... In... Some fucking Frankenstein experiment going to go on? Well, I guess they'll just, like, throw his head on a robot or something. You something seen the, or other yeah and then uh download his fucking memory to a robot so i'm thinking maybe if these egyptians um maybe they thought something like that like maybe hey i gotta preserve myself uh for some future technology or maybe a lot of people say the egyptians was like lost technology or more advanced civilization maybe they fucking had some crazy shit like this that we don't even know about it was organic and it, it like disintegrated got lost like the rest of this shit they built the pyramids with mm. well I, I don't know if we're gonna get to this later in the outline probably so but um when I was doing a little research of my own, I found out that, I mean, like I, kn- I knew the basics of it, but I think the whole mummification process, and correct me if I'm wrong here, guys, is mainly they had the intention that when you go into the afterlife, you're kind of as you are when you died. So like the more taken care of and preserved you are, like once you actually die, then the better off you're going to be in the afterlife, if that makes any sense, which sounds kind of weird to me, but. Yeah, well, we'll see. They weren't the, I guess, smartest um, people when it came to biology, but um, we will, in fact, get into that because we're going to get through the gruesome uh, bits, you know, the mummification stuff, Teabag's favorite. Save that for the very end. Uh, but let's take a look at the Book of the Dead. Now, this is also known as the Bible of the Egyptians, and it is essentially one of the oldest religious texts in the world. Uh, this shit even had an extreme amount of influence on the New Testament, or I guess some anthropologists think this. Uh, this is, again, something that is debated, because we'll see there's a lot of that in this episode. A lot of this stuff is still even debated, um, pretty much everything about the book, Um now, Teabag, as you were saying, the book itself, um, or what is known, I guess, as the Book of the Dead, is essentially a collection of texts consisting of a number of magic spells intended to assist a dead person in their journey through the underworld and into the eternal afterlife. Now, this collection of texts, or I guess like what is known today as the Book of the Dead, was written by many priests over a period of about a thousand years. Um, it was most commonly written in hieroglyphic or hieratic script on a papyrus scroll and often illustrated with vignettes depicting the deceased and their journey into the afterlife. Now, so I know what you guys are probably thinking. Where does this shit come from, right? That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> the finest example we have of the Egyptian Book of the Dead is the Papyrus of Ani, uh, or I guess the Scroll of Ani. Now, this guy Ani was an Egyptian scribe, 
and I guess they discovered his tomb along with this scroll. And this discovery was made by E.A. Wallace Budge in 1888. And it was taken to the British Museum where it currently resides. Now, even the story of the book's discovery is steeped in controversy, as we're talking about. Because this guy, uh, and let me know what you guys think about this. This guy, I guess, was more or less just a grave robber. Uh, to some, or a very important archaeologist to some. It's kind of like a 50-50 split is what I'm thinking, but no matter which way you slice it, this guy, the central figure in the Book of the Dead's discovery, uh, Mr. Budge himself, Sir Budge, because he is a knight, um, was and still is highly controversial figure, you know? Now, in the yeah, documentary, that's... I was... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, in my research, I found, like, it seems like everybody that's Egyptian or of Egyptian descent was like, oh, this guy's a thief. He's a thief. All he did was like steal stuff. And like, I guess apparently he would just buy whatever artifacts he could from people. And he thought he was like doing the Lord's work, apparently. Like, oh, these guys don't take care of these artifacts. They just let them get ruined. Like, I'm doing a good thing by conserving them. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's kind of what I got. Um, that's what I got from it too. It's essentially like, because if it, there's like, it's like a double edged sword, I guess is the expression, because it's like if he hadn't have had the foresight to like buy these things from essentially thieves, then they probably would have just been lost to history. And I mean, this guy actually cared about them. So he took them somewhere where they would be like preserved and he could translate them. Granted, he did cut the damn thing up to translate it, but he still, you know, that's the reason why. We know it exists. I mean, if you go to the flea market today and you get that knockoff Gucci bag, you're not going to question where it's coming from. You're just going to snatch it up, you know? Well, yeah, this is a little bit different than that, but... Um, Maybe uh, it fell off the back of a truck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, you basically just said it right there. Uh, you mentioned that, is he a grave robber? Is he an archaeologist? I was just going to say in the documentary I was watching, it basically seemed like they paid him to go to Egypt to find these certain artifacts. And he was basically just fucking getting nice and cozy with these grave robbers. Like, Hey, a couple bucks for this, a couple bucks for that. What do you got here? What can I get there? Like he wasn't really fucking Indiana Jones in this shit. He was just fucking paying off a couple of grave robbers to give him some shit. Yeah. He was more like the gentleman, I believe his name is like Marcus Brody. You know what I'm talking about oh, where he's yeah. like he's a he knows seven different languages. He'll blend in. If with any luck, he's got the grail already. And then cut to him and he's like, Does does anybody speak English? He's like that guy. Right? Okay. okay. That's kind of what I I mean, here's a picture of the guy right here, the gentleman. And we'll get into some of this guy's life, you know. Um and yeah, he looks can, like fucking Grover Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> so, British Colonel Sanders. Yeah, so E.A. Wallace Budge. Uh, this guy was an author specializing in Egyptology. And he What's tra- the E.A. stand for? Early archaeologist. <laughs> Ernest Alfred Thomas Wallace Budge. Wow, that's the name. whitest fucking name ever. Uh, 
Now, this guy was an author specializing in Egyptology, and he translated a lot of the first Egyptian texts that were discovered. Uh, He was the curator of Egyptian and Assyrian antiquities at the British Museum in London from 1894 to 1924. Uh, But as we said earlier, some say he was no more than a two-bit cultural thief. Uh, But, you know, like we were saying, others say, hey, this wasn't thievery because at the time getting antiques like this is how you did it. This was run of the mill, you know. And, you know, as we said earlier, a lot of controversy with Budge himself and his translations because I buy a copy of his book, Translated Book of the Dead. It's like 900 some pages. Now, I'm about halfway through reading this bitch when I stumble onto all of this shit and like Keep in mind, this is just how some people feel. But what I gather is 50-50. Like some say this guy, um, highly inaccurate. His translations were out of date. And due to the way like Egyptology expeditions got funded in his day, uh, which was basically convincing like rich nobles and businessmen in the empire that the study was worthwhile. And all these guys were essentially Protestant Christians. So E.A. Wallace is over here, like, making it seem like these texts are important to, like, Christian ideology. Like, this is, like, a precursor or something like that. Um, Like, a lot of people have issue with that. So, with that knowledge... um, He's just swindling people, basically. Yeah, he kind of, like... This guy's basically, like, a British Chris Columbus. I mean, (laughs) that's a very... That's a heated... That's, like, a hot take. Um, you know, like you're coming it. over like here it. with the fire. I wouldn't go that far. Um, but I guess these well, guys convincing rich people to l- pay for his journeys to a new country and he's taking all their stuff, man. Guy discovered a new world. Well, he's not, <laughs> he's not taking their stuff. He's like finding, he's still finding this fucking shit. And you is know, bring, he finding it or buying it? Well, There's he's getting, okay, he's, it's not like he was like, oh, I was fucking digging and digging and I finally found this crazy artifact. He's like, oh, grave robbers, here's fucking five bucks. Give me that cool shit that you just found. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like you with the re-up vintage. He goes to thrift stores, finds the cool shit, no, digging, no, getting no, his no, hands no. dirty, no, and no, he no. procures <laughs> it safely to sell it to these rich guys. No, basically these rich guys give him a shitload of money, then he just takes a little bit of that money, pays the grave robbers, pockets the rest. I'm on to this motherfucker. I don't think he pockets, but okay. So, I mean, oh, I, all right. Did you see anyways. the guy? <laughs> Okay, he's eating all that extra money. He's taking a lot of per diem for his lunches. Um, So basically, you know, that's like where people are kind of split on him. There's even a a diss on Sir Budge in the popular sci-fi film Stargate. A diss? Yeah, you know when the guy, you know when the guy who became the uh, the boss in the later seasons of The Office, you know that guy in Stargate? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, saw it suck. They're translating something, and he's like, "What? What are you using to translate this, Budge? Like, they should have stopped printing his stuff years oh. ago." And then he's like, "Actually, translate the hieroglyphs." Oh, fuck. So, uh, these sci-fi writers for Stargate were ahead of their time. Now, on the flip side, many claim that Egyptology was such a young science at the time. So, hey, you know, Budge's. Um, his translations might not be 100% accurate, but his findings and translations remain groundbreaking and monumental within the field. You know, like really, if it wasn't for this guy, Egyptology wouldn't be as big as it is. And um, 
Bottom line, I guess, in all this would be just to cross-reference, you know, use a few sources. I uh, see. That's what I was going to ask, and I I didn't look this up. 1880s. That's is that before or after the Rosetta Stone? I like when the Rosetta Stone was found. You're an yeah, I guess when they started using no, that. Got to look it up. Well, that's good. I feel like we should provide um, our listeners with correct well Rosetta Stone discovered in 1799. Okay, well, it's like similar time frame. Yeah. Similar. I mean, it's who like knows how long it took him to... years tr- before, man. Yeah, but who knows how long <laughs> it took him to translate that son of a bitch. That says just when it was discovered. <laughs> it didn't come with a fucking user's <laughs> yeah, manual. Yeah, it didn't come with a fucking... Uh, um, what is that shit called that makes you learn shit? Is it actually called Rosetta Stone? Yeah. yeah it, wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that simple. Um, but yeah, so... It probably took him 80 years to fucking crack yeah, the code Yeah, to crack that, that fucking code. You ever seen a picture of that thing? Jesus. So yeah, that's kind of where people are on Bud. So just, you know, a little background uh, before we get into all the translations and whatnot. Um, but even the story of, like, his discovery of the Ani Scroll, uh, again, this was in a History Channel documentary I was watching. This is like some fucking Indiana Jones type shit. You know, the story is basically 1887. Museum sends Budge down to Cairo, says, hey, you know, go buy some shit for my museum. I'm a rich Christian guy. I want some shit in my museum. Uh, Go buy this. He connects with all his Egyptologists down there, and uh, he hears about some new shit being found in Luxor. Uh, This is about a three-day camel ride from Cairo. Now, we're not talking about the casino out in Vegas, all right? No, we are not. This is the OG Luxor. Now, okay, this is like you were saying. Like, I just had this thought in here. Now, T-Bag, you're saying basically anyone from Egypt says this is like theft and this period of time was like blasphemy, right? Yeah, that's my understanding. Literally, in the documentary I saw, everyone they interviewed that was British was like, Oh, he was the best of his time. <laughs> he did everyone a service. And then everyone that's Egyptian was just like, yo, fuck this guy. This guy okay. fucking stole our shit, took it to Great Britain. Fuck him. We want our shit back. Give it back to us, you fucking old British fuck. All right. Well, now let's get into this because this is what I'm saying. Like, okay, he goes down there. As you're saying, he sees all these people that are pillaging and grave robbing. Those are all Egyptian people. They're selling the right. shit. He's just there buying. It's like you're saying, you're not going to question the fake Gucci bag if it fell off the truck or not. This guy's trying to preserve the shit because I guess back then, like, all right, first of all, Egypt was like, um, weren't they in like a middle ground between like French and British colonization? See, si, senor. Yeah, because Napoleon, you know, he had come and fucked shit up down there um, and that was kind of on its way out. Um, and then it, it tossed over to the British hands, but I guess like Egypt people, like Egyptians, <laughs> Egypt, people, <laughs> Egypt, like the government, the government of Egypt didn't really give a fuck about artifacts. Like they didn't have money to keep them in museums and like preserve them. Like they were just letting them rot in these like fucking dungeons basically. In the tombs where they were kept? No, 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 no. Like, say somebody found a discovery. They offload found all a the discovery, robbed a grave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, but that's still an archaeological find, no? Uh, I don't think so. Dude, that gives you a huge insight into like 
pre-civilization, right? I agree, but I think that the people that were selling this shit to this guy were not fucking like archaeologists well, of their time. Yeah, that's they what I'm just saying. Fucking digging up shit, selling it to people. Yeah, so the government didn't a have time to do this shit. So other people are going to try to make money somehow. Yeah, but I mean, okay, going out on a limb here again just to make an analogy. This is like the war on drugs. Like everyone, not everyone, but like in the media, you see it as like, oh, we got to stop all these drugs coming over from Mexico, coming over from South America. Who's the one fucking selling it in the streets? We are. Americans are. And Americans are buying that shit. So it's like they want to put a stop to it, but then you got to fucking look within yourself to find the root of the problem sometimes. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I think- That's kind of what you're saying, right? I mean, I guess a little bit, but it is different than drugs because it's not like some grand conspiracy where uh, it's not like some grandiose. You don't think the Egyptian government's making some fucking money off these artifacts? I don't think so, no. I don't think it was like, you can't really compare it to the war on drugs because it's not like the Egyptian government was like secretly making a giant profit off this shit. Like our government is secretly bringing in drugs and and turning a huge profit and then blaming it on, you know, (sighs) poor impoverished people. It wasn't like that. It was just that the government was trying to stop this shit. Think of it more like the slave trade. Jesus Christ. (laughs) No. I see. Okay, I I didn't want to go there, but you brought it up, man. These guys are selling out their own country, basically. Like, yeah. like hey, and like even when the Egyptian government was getting their hands on it and putting it in museums, like they were not taking care of that shit. That's where Budge comes in. He's like, I'm going to preserve it. Like I said, he thinks he's doing the right thing, and the yeah. Egyptians apparently think he's the devil. Yeah, like it equated to the slave trade in that, like it isn't like a bunch of. Um, white people just like went over to Africa and said, get on the boat. Like it was the stronger tribes hunting down the weaker tribes to weed out a, their competition, B make a little cash. They're selling them to these people. They're buying, you know, slave trade is actually very fascinating. I took a whole class on it in college. It's actually very fucked up. Yeah, it is extremely fucked up, but the, the so whole like selling artifacts from your country. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I'm getting. That's where we're equating it. Not that it was like, um, like drugs. Yeah. But then, then you get the whole other school of thought where you're saying like all these Egyptian guys are like, fuck this guy, but it was their own people that were selling the shit in the first place. Right, right. That's, that's the only part that I was like, correlating the facts on yeah you know so it's like now like hindsight of course you know that's a fucking bad idea but back then hey if i can make some fucking money i don't give a rat's boot about my culture or my country i'm just gonna fucking find this cool grave shit sell it to these fucking white people that pay top dollar for it right exactly dude at the end of the day it's always easier to blame someone else for your problems right yeah, you know, a lot of people, a lot of, like we were saying, Egyptian archaeologists refer to this period in time as the rape of the Nile. Jesus. Uh, because, you know, the black markets were really thriving. But I guess as we were saying, Egyptians were selling this. So really, we got to think of this as more as the prostitution of the Nile. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's more of a fair assessment, right? I mean, Sounds a lot more pleasant than rape. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, you're saying they're asking for it. 
I mean, not, not necessarily. Well, they were. They were saying, hey, give me this money for this uh Hey, come book down of here, the see what we got. Maybe you give us a little money. Maybe you get some. Special two for one on mommies this week. Oh, sign me up. Uh, yeah, that that actually is like fair. Like, remember we were talking about on the uh, pyramids episode, the guy that bought like two mummies and then fucking threw them overboard because he thought his ship was cursed. Yeah, like that guy doesn't give a fuck about the archaeology as much as Budge, who's trying to preserve this shit. That guy bought two mummies and fucking <laughs> threw them overboard on his way back home. Wouldn't you if you thought your fucking boat was getting cursed by him? I probably wouldn't buy the fucking mummies in the first place. Um, so back to Budge, back to his journey. So, you know, he's down there with the museum. Um, before he even goes to Luxor, he gets arrested. Boom. You know, French nice. government, French government. Cause as we said, you know, colonization is this weird transition period. Um, French government slapped the cuffs on this guy and, um, boom, you know, he makes it, uh, nonetheless, Budge escapes this time he escapes from prison and he makes it down to Luxor. Uh, he starts. Well, it's French, so it's probably not that high. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he, they're like, okay, you can go, man. It's cool. Uh, so he starts wheeling and dealing. Uh, he's procuring some antiquities. Uh, he stumbles across the scroll of Annie, um, and it has an unbroken seal when he stumbles across it. So before Budge uh, popped this sucker open. He's estimating that this thing hadn't been seen in nearly 30 centuries. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing right there. I mean, that's, that's extremely rare. Um, Very rare, you might say. And, you know, because, it, like we were talking about, with the black market down there, like, a lot of these scrolls were just cut up and just sold in different pieces. Like, it was like almost like a tourism thing. Like, these guys, <laughs> these antiquities dealers, these black market Egyptian guys, found the shit. They fucking cut it up. You know, I'm sure they were selling, like, mummy's paws, like rabbit uh, keychains, you know, <laughs> like little mummy Christ. hands, mummy fingers. Um, they were just cutting this shit up, selling it, and making any buck they could. Um, so... To find the scroll intact like this, extremely rare. And, you know, he's basically packing up. He's got his find. He's packing things up. And he gets apprehended again. Thrown in jail again. Really but, blending in. Um, you know, he's got his homies down there. So he is bribed right out. And now he's lost the scroll. The fucking French government, they confiscated the scroll from him. So, again, he's got to find a way to... Uh, finagle this scroll, get it out of there safely back to uh, London with him. Now, he notices there's a hotel next to where the government is keeping the scroll. He's got one day before it's going to be shipped off to Cairo with the French government, probably never be seen again, probably not even make it to Cairo. Um, and he and his homies, they fucking tunnel through the hotel wall while Budge, he sends the guards a goddamn dinner a full-on dinner to distract him. That's where some of his per diem was going. Uh, while he and his boys... <laughs> Not only to his own dinner, but <laughs> yeah. it's a business expense. Write it off. Yeah, he's writing off business expenses, and um, him and his boys basically go offload all the antiques, and he's fucking Audi 5000, pulled the old Houdini on him. They fucking get him all through this hole, and then he's, boom. See ya. So he... I mean, that story... Do you embellish that a little bit? Or do you think that's really how it was done? Yeah, I mean, probably. You know, this was actually mostly from the History Channel documentary I watched. They probably I just it, said, hey, 
Here's a hundred bucks each. Load this shit in my fucking truck for me. <laughs> or he probably just bought them the dinner yeah. and they were just like, ah, oh, yes, you take scroll trash. I got you on dinner <laughs> if you give me that fucking scroll right yeah. there, bud. Because in the thing I was watching, the one dude that he bought it from just said it was trash. Like he could just have it. Okay. This needs to be our script, though, man. This is some like Great Escape uh, Da Vinci Code type shit. We could Hollywood this up, sell the crap out of it. Yeah, I think that's what they did with The Mummy. Oh, you're right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the controversy. Except they have Brendan Fraser instead of some old fat white dude. Yeah, you know, they got to Hollywoodify it. Um, but maybe we do like a fucking, almost like a Three Stooges type uh, with like Budge and like his buddies are all Three Stooging down in Cairo. Trying like without to get a scroll. paddle, but <laughs> yeah. without a scroll. But it's like set, set in the 1800s. <laughs> without a paddle on yeah. the Nile. Um. All right, so really the controversy on Budge seems to be mostly that his translations are a bit outdated, um, his procurement methods were unethical. But, you know, as we said, some say this guy pioneered the field. Um, some British people. And, you know, even though they're controversial, the influence of Budge's translations, without a doubt, reaches far and wide. I mean, he influenced Sir James Fraser on uh, The Golden Bow. Is that Brendan Fraser's dad? I don't. I do not think it is. Um, this guy was like, he was like kind of a comparative religions guy. Um, this book had a big influence on like Aleister Crowley, Jack Parsons, that type uh, of shit. Okay, a little bit older than. Yeah. Then we also got. I mean, it influenced James Joyce in some of his works. Tolkien in um, some of his Lord of the Rings type stuff, oh. and even Hollywood's version of Egypt, most notably the Mummy films, um, the ones with Boris Karloff and Brendan Fraser. Okay. Um, now, there's also a German gentleman by the name of Carl Richard Lepsis. Um, he is credited as the first translator of a complete book of the dead manuscript. And as far as I know, there isn't too much controversy surrounding the legitimacy of his translations. Um, this is also the guy who came up with the numbering system for the spells, which is still in use today. Now, the book of the dead, as we know is an ancient Egyptian funerary text generally written on papyrus and used from the beginning of the New Kingdom around 1550 BCE to around 50 BCE. Uh, and a few disclaimers, I guess you could call them, before we get into like the contents of the book. One, the texts that ultimately became known as the Book of the Dead are surrounded by mystery. I mean, as we said, there's controversy everywhere you turn with this one. And there's basically no conclusive evidence that it has been translated with 100% accuracy. And two, even the title is not 100% accurate. Um, as the original Egyptian name for the text, Runupertimhru, <laughs> is trans... I mean, I don't know uh, how to pronounce Egyptian... No, I like that's fine. <laughs> um, now that is translated to "book of coming forth by day" or "book of emerging forth into light." Uh, this could also be translated to "ritual of the dead" or "funerary funeral ritual," um, which is a great band name. But only a small portion of the text focuses on actual ritual, while a majority is focused on the dead and what happens beyond the grave. I like that name better. What? Beyond the Grave. <laughs> now, uh, that could be the title of our film. Now, Ooh, okay. 
Now, history... A horror flick. Yeah, let's get into some of the history. Um, I mean, this is, I guess, history that Egyptology estimates on the book itself. So two questions to keep in mind. Um, one, we talked about right up top. Why were the Egyptians so obsessed with death? And two, where did this shit come from? You know, who's writing this stuff? Um, now, Apparently as I... Th- a scribe. An Egyptian <coughs> scribe. We covered it already. Yeah, but how is he... Boy, this guy just comes up with, oh, we got to mummify people and we got to pull their entrails out. <laughs> He's just spitballing here. Maybe. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Man. Someone sat down and wrote the Bible that same way, right? But that, that's yeah, well, what I'm saying, man. Like I was watching that History Channel thing and this Ani guy, little Annie, if you will. <laughs> he, he's so like obsessed with like, oh, man, what's going to happen when I die? He comes up with, I mean... To each his own, if this is what you believe in, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but he just comes up with this idea, like, this whole crazy journey, like, to the underworld, everything, all these people that you're, all these gods you're going to encounter, all these questions they're going to ask you, like, yeah, like, like Rob's saying, someone just comes up with this, man, like, that blew my mind, like, my brain doesn't work like that. Well, yeah, and what's even weirder there is, I mean, as we said, Ani Scroll is the best example of, like, this collection of spells, which became known as the Book of the Dead. But by the time Ani's life rolled around, these spells were over a thousand years old. So this shit was already a thousand years old by the time the Ani scroll was written. So, you know, who, where does that shit even come from? Now, the mm. full scroll is around the full scroll of Ani, or the best example, the one that Budge procured. Uh, it's around 78 feet when completely unrolled. Although, as we mentioned, Budge did cut it up and glue it to boards in order to translate it. Uh, Now, Ani was a scribe, as we mentioned in his time, uh, which I believe would kind of be similar to like an accountant today. He kind of just like kept track of like offerings and shit like that. Um, Offerings? Yeah, like people would come bring offerings to the pharaoh or or some shit like that, you know? Something or other. Uh, Yeah, something or other. He'll bring Uh, me a gift. Now, now getting a book of the dead would cost a pretty penny back in Ani's day. Um, as you would have to get, you would have to like, like the book of the dead. So it's an, it's a collection of these spells and you basically got one commissioned for yourself. Now you could get high quality one and there's also records of more low quality or generic books of the dead. Um, basically it was like a personalized thing, you know, like they would write your name in it. They would scroll it out like it would be drawings of you going to the afterlife, all these spells to keep you safe, that sort of thing. And there's like a ton of different versions. I think that was the biggest takeaway I had. Like it's not just one book. Like each person that could afford to buy one got their own book. That's something we have to keep in mind. But I like, uh, as soon as I was reading about this stuff, like I saw this quote that I came across and this is from... uh, I think you actually cited the website, so I'll have to go back to that. But it says, like, having a book of the dead in one's tomb would be the equivalent of a student in the modern day getting their hands on all the test answers they would ever need. I thought that was pretty neat. If you, like, sucked at life and you, like, had all that extra money, you could get this really big, long scroll with all these, like, cheat codes and passwords to get to the afterlife. But then I guess like if you knew you lived a good life, you wouldn't have to spend as much money on one of these books, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because it's more like, uh, yeah, like you were saying, I guess cheat code. But yeah, that was the thing like um, I found out too. It's not like 
in the mummy where it's like one like gold book or like a book bound in human skin that's the book of the dead and you read these spells that bring people back to life all that type of shit hocus pocus yeah it's not, it's not like the book in hocus pocus <laughs> it's like um it's kind of like a tra- almost like a what i kind of get out of it is it's almost like an obituary I mean, it's it's a yes, it's a much more complex version. But if you think about it, these spells are essentially like a form of like prayer. Like they're almost saying this is going to keep you safe. Like you know how Irish people put like pennies in the eyes so they can cross the river sticks. It's like that. Well, the, I actually wanted to touch on that real quick. Okay, what do we got? I feel like every different civilization, and I mean, obviously, I think we can agree that Egypt. Egyptians is like one of the oldest, yeah. but I feel like every different, you know, you can go all the way out to Asia and everyone has their own interpretation of the afterlife, which all kind of stem from that same thing that you need certain things in the afterlife to continue on your path or otherwise you kind of get stuck in that in between. But my main point was like, I feel like even this Ani guy coming up with all this crazy ideas and shit. Like, I mean, no disrespect to the guy, but who's to say that this guy wasn't just making up some crazy shit. So it's a cash cow. So he can just be fucking mm. raking in all these checks from people that are dying. Well, no, Ani that's didn't, one thing that's not going to stop going out of style is people are fucking dying. Ani didn't <laughs> write the thing. He goes somewhere, pays like they pay this like store basically or this temple to like make one for them. Like Ani didn't come up with anything in the Book of the Dead. Like we said, this was oh. just his Book of the Dead is the best preserved, most preserved example okay. that we have. So it's like the most complete, the most translated. Like like we said, other ones were like cut into fucking pieces and they're taken out of context so people don't know about them. Like he didn't write it because he was a scribe. He didn't write anything in the book of the dead. Uh, I thought maybe he wrote that one. No, he did not. Uh, but, but yeah, it, it seems like, uh, if your job is to write shit down, just write your own fucking book. You know, <laughs> maybe he doesn't know all those yeah, secrets I mean- though. No, I was just saying, that's another thing is I feel like it's, I mean, Again, no disrespect. It's kind of bullshit. Like, oh, you got to fucking pay us all this money for us to mummify you and give us give you this book of secrets. Like, for all you know, you're just going to fucking die and that's it. And then you just fucking gave your whole life savings to some asshole that wrote you a fucking papyrus book and stuck it in your coffin. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Actually, it was a half a year's salary. But yeah, I agree with you, Rob. Like... <laughs> It's okay. Someone someone sat down and was like, "Hey, like, let's come up with this whole complex afterlife idea. Like, dude, what happens if you die and that's it? You're just dead. There is like, <laughs> you're just in the ground, man." <laughs> okay, so but, these uh, guys maybe were like the original swindlers. Whoever thought this shit, <laughs> I guess. But like, my whole takeaway and going back to building on what Rob was saying, like, every culture has all these rituals and beliefs and superstitions and stuff about death. The whole my whole takeaway is. It seems the whole common theme is just be a decent human being on Earth, and you'll be all right. But I guess this was in case you kind of sucked at being a human being. We got your back. We got you covered. Well, no, I think even uh, like with the Egyptians, um, <clears throat> I guess it was just like a faster way to get to the quote unquote afterlife. I mean, we'll go through the processes, but I really don't think it. 
I mean, I guess, yes, it did matter if you were a good person or not, because we got some of those we'll get into, but I think it was kind of like, you got to have this scroll. Like, this is a fucking, you're going to want one of these babies. Yeah, but it's like the fucking newest pair of Jordans. Yeah, or the yeah. next iPhone. Like, That's what, yeah. yeah everyone's got to <laughs> have it. Yeah. Do you really need it? That's literally my next line in the outline was like, this could all just be one hell of a sales pitch, <laughs> you, you don't know? don't fucking come into life with a little fucking <laughs> scroll when you fucking pop out of your mom. Oh, ready for life. I got my scroll with me. Yeah, that would have been a great <laughs> argument for back then. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's like it's just like hey, there's some guy in a temple that's like, hey, if you don't want your soul to be eaten in the afterlife, your only chance is to buy this scroll. Half of your salary, mummification not included. Uh, you know, like these guys are Take just- it, run with it. <laughs> yes, yeah, I like on. it. Now, originally, you know, it's like we were saying the books were for the pharaoh. Um, like only for the Pharaoh. They just had these fucking books for the Pharaoh. Eventually they made their way down to the middle class and even some of the peasants. Um, and I was thinking this is the case with like most shit, like cell phones, computers, you know, like back in the day they were like, Oh dude, no one's going to be able to have a cell phone. And then like now everybody's got them. Same with books of the dead. Everyone's got them. It's good. It's eventually fucking uh, trickle down economics, you know? Jesus Christ. All right, here we go. Hopping right into, like, where does this shit come from? Uh, this is your favorite, teabag, uh, pre-mummification. So, you know, given the history, uh, the differences of the practices in ancient Egypt and the aboriginal cultures of Egypt, uh, it's almost certain that the practices in the Book of the Dead were either borrowed from others or brought into Egypt by newcomers. Um, this seems most probable, although who the newcomers were, uh, who taught them this still up for debate. Now there's no signs of mummification in any of the graves excavated from original inhabitants of the area. Um, as their dead were either burned, cut up into pieces and then burned or just buried whole. Uh, some were laid in skins of gazelles and some on grass mats, um, these are the oldest forms of known burial in the Nile Valley. Uh, they are said to have cut up the bodies, one, for space, and two, to prevent the deceased spirit from returning to their old village. Along with these traditions, they would also bury the dead on their left side with their heads facing south and present some kind of funeral offerings. Over time, the types of funeral offerings change along with the wrapping of the bodies in cloth instead of animal skin or grass mats and lying them on their backs in crudely constructed brick tombs rather than being buried directly in the ground. Uh, now, this without a doubt proves that both cultures held some kind of view about the afterlife and where this came from, we do not know. The world may never know. No, I think this whole... Uh laying on your left side and facing your head south, that's that's a tradition that goes on today because when your homies drank too much and he's dying, you got to put him on his left side and you present him with a funeral offering of a trash can so he can <laughs> puke into it. If only somebody had done that for old Jimi Hendrix. R.I.P. Um, so yeah, like nobody knows where, like even these super early um, civilizations in the Nile Valley they had some type of tradition, but nobody knows like where this came from. Um, now, the process of mummification you in know Egypt. Who does know? Sukalos. 
<laughs> Giorgio Tsoukalos? Aliens. Man. Of course, yes. He would just say, the, of course, the aliens taught them this. It's <laughs> uh, pretty obvious. Now, the process of mummification. The process of mummification in Egypt eventually developed into, all right, here we go, Adam. We're going to use you as our mummy. So, boom, you're dead. You die. Teabag, we got to pour one out for him. His death is announced uh, like an obituary. Um, and at this point, your soul has immediately left your body. Then your body is cleansed with palm wine and Nile River water to purify it. Then your brain would be removed with a hook through your nose and dissolved in water. The brain was seen as garbage. Uh, the heart was kept in the body and viewed as the most important organ. Okay. So, as we said, obviously not the best uh, biologists. They just thought the brain was garbage when that's like the central hub of your entire body. Uh, you know, <laughs> talk to Walt Disney. He had his fucking brain frozen so he could come back. Not his heart, though. Now, next up, your left side is sliced open and you're gutted like a fish, removing all your internal organs, uh, which were also mummified and stored in four jars uh, representing the sons of Horus. They would put them in the jars, so like one of them would be watching out for your lungs, um, one, your stomach, the other, your intestines, and next, your liver. Um, You would then be washed out with more palm oil and stuffed with straw like the scarecrow. Uh, You'd then be covered in salt for 40 days and laid outside to dry like a goddamn beach towel. Oh, that's just our dad out there covered in salt. He died about three weeks ago. (laughs) Then uh, the eye of Horus was placed over your slit in your side and your body would be wrapped in linen from head to toe. Uh, Fingers and toes would be individually wrapped and priests wrote prayers on the linen. Uh, So, you know, it's like they were signing your cast almost. They would just write write prayers all over the linen. Uh, Have a great summer. Shout out to Adam. Yeah, so you're looking ill at this point. Uh, Next up, they throw some glue all over there, hold everything together. Um, Just throw it on there. I mean, you know, they put put a mask uh, on so you can recognize your own body, and then they chuck you in the coffin. And uh, lastly, everyone would come say goodbye, and they'd open your mouth while priests yelled spells into it so you could eat, see, and hear in the afterlife. And, so um, you're just basically on ice for like a month while they're doing all this shit. Well, not ice, salt. Um, you know, yeah, but your soul out. immediately leaves the body when you die. Yeah, so you're in kind of a purgatory. I and guess. you're just watching people fuck with your body. <laughs> well, they're yelling spells so you can eat, dude. <laughs> and, uh, and then you're buried with all your shit, uh, your jars of organs, and most importantly, your book of the dead. What if moms can't afford it? Well, then you're <laughs> fucked. Uh, now, early inhabitants of Egypt took extreme precaution in preparing and preserving bodies for the afterlife. And the main schools of thought as to why are either they wish to keep their bodies with them in the afterlife. So this is like what Rob was saying. Like, you got to keep your body as preserved as possible because you're going to have to, like, come scoop that bad boy back up. Um or it was like their future well-being depended in some way on the preservation of the body they left behind. So obviously the more you take care of your body, 
when it's left, um, the better off you'll be, you know? Like maybe it's like Casper where when you become a ghost, you're like the ghost when you left. So you die an 80-year-old man, your ghost is an 80-year-old man. You die a little kid, your ghost is a little kid, you know? A little fat kid. Yeah. Um, now, whatever the... body is basically the vehicle for your soul. That was my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, whatever the reason may be, um, it was such a powerful belief that it lasted in Egypt with no gaps for nearly 4,000 years. Jesus. Now, this is if my date calculator was accurate. But so they're doing this shit for 4,000 years. So it's got to be a, some type of a strong belief, something, you know? I mean, um, minus the old fucking scraping all your organs and putting them in jars. That's pretty much how we're still doing it today. Well, I mean, some people are cremated, you know, and ashes scattered. Like, some people think that's better. I mean, personally, what do you guys prefer when you die? I mean, when I die, throw me in the trash. You took my life. <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like cremation's probably better just for the earth. Okay, so you're looking out for the earth, for the mother. Well, I'm saying, dude, what's the point of spending fucking like 10 grand on a fucking box that you're just going to... Yeah, again, this is just some sales pitch bullshit. Hey, come buy this fucking fancy-ass coffin to rot in the fucking ground. Tale as old as time. Burn me down, put me in a fucking coffee can. And throw throw a book of the dead in there for good measure. Throw some ashes somewhere. <laughs> now and put the rest in a fucking little uh, tomb somewhere. Yeah. And you can go hang out with me when you want to. Yeah, because here's what I'm thinking. All right, so we obviously said, like, most religions, uh, they've got their similar stuff. And, uh, and we can see Egypt and this as, like, some of the oldest stuff. Maybe these guys weren't that far off. I'm going to fucking start working on my own book of the dead, dude. Roll me up and smoke me when I die. In the book of the dead. <laughs> a big old 78-foot-long joint. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm going to roll a bunch of roll me into a bunch of little joints with uh, prayers and spells written all over them, you know? Smoke that up. I don't know if I want to do that. What about you, T-Bag? You thinking uh, be buried in a box or cremated or mummified? <laughs> Yeah, now I was going to say, now I want to be mummified after hearing that riveting <laughs> yeah. Now, is that still an option? Like, could I go to a mortuary and be like, hey, it's in his, it's in his will and testament. He wants to be mummified, so we're going to have to get these jars. Maybe if you're in Egypt. <laughs> I have it's to look into funeral. that. Yeah. All right. So we got some precursors to the actual book. Um, these were known as the pyramid text. Now, as we said, this was first off just for pharaohs. So, you know, pyramid text, this was just straight up literally inscribed on the pyramids. These date back to 3200 BCE. Um, the next stage in these developments was, hey, let's write this shit in the coffins themselves. Um, this became known as the coffin text. Um, so, these are really the precursors to what they would go on to write on papyrus uh, versions of the Book of the Dead. Now, the con- like if you had Banksy do your funeral procession, yeah, or you had like you wanted to have a big tomb with like a Banksy mural in there when you die. But if if Banksy's mural also like told you what to do, you know, you might. That's another thing we can look into, you know, getting a little okay. commish, little commish mural um, in our pyramids. 
<laughs> in our pyramids. We're each gonna yeah. have one. <laughs> yeah. Now each gonna have one erected. Yeah. Then... Three pyramids, dude. Now contents of the book itself. So essentially, what the book is, it's a spell book in order to aid the deceased in their quest for immortality in the Duat. I believe is how you pronounce that now. The Duat is the realm of the dead. Uh, it has been represented in hieroglyphs as a star in a circle. That's called a pentagram. Yep, very similar. Now, the god Osiris was believed to be the lord of the underworld, also as a hell of a shoe company. Uh, <laughs> and he was the first mummy as seen in the Osiris myth, and he is personified rebirth and life after death. The Duat was also a region through which the sun god Ra traveled from west to east each night. Now, I was looking up into this like Osiris myth. So basically, this deals with Osiris being murdered at the hands of his brother Set, uh, who usurps the throne. And meanwhile, Osiris's wife Isis, she restores her husband's body, I guess via mummification, allowing him to posthumously conceive their son, uh, Horus, who basically restores cosmic social order to Egypt after Set's unrighteous reign and completes the process of Osiris's resurrection. So she's a necrophiliac. Yes. <laughs> or she's a mummophiliac. A mama. She's a mummophile. Well, either way, she wasn't wrapping it up. Well, he was already wrapped up. Apparently not. Oh, She's having a son. Well, they left a little she hole. She poked a hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, boom. That's like where we, I guess, the whole myth stems from. Uh, now, some of the spells included in the book date back to 3rd millennium BCE. Uh, now, God do we. Damn. Now, specific spells, because I was, I was getting into this and I thought this was pretty interesting. I mean, this is our whole episode, more or less. Now, as we stated earlier, almost every Book of the Dead was unique, uh, contained a different mixture of spells drawn from numerous texts available. But for most of history, there was no defined order or structure. Like, like say, some people, maybe if they went to a different Book of the Dead store, they had different spells in there. You know, I don't really know the whole ins and outs of it. But, um, but Osiris' wife did. Now, the book as it became known, like is more or less made up of nearly 192 spells in total. And also we got to kind of keep in mind, understand this isn't like when we say like spells or magic, like this isn't like Chris Angel, David Blaine <laughs> magic, you know, basically like the ancient Egyptians, like there really wasn't a difference between uh, like magical rituals and religious practice. It's just like today, like a, uh, like I was saying, like a spell would essentially be a prayer. Like today at funerals, like it's it's maybe customary. Is I mean, I don't really know much about it, but is it customary to say like the Lord's Prayer at a funeral? Yeah. Okay. If you were a Christian, maybe. Yeah. So there you go. It's, yeah. it's kind of like that is what I'm getting at. You know, like magic. I don't see a priest yelling into anyone's face. Okay. I did not say <laughs> this was an exact fucking, this is the exact copy of the Lord's Prayer. It was in the Book of the Dead. No, this is like that. I'm you can see you, you can see where the line was drawn and how it was dumbed down to just muttering prayers and shit like that. You know, they used to, like, 
They used to actually do rituals, and now they don't anymore. This is like Jack Parsons, you know? He was out there fucking doing this shit. I actually was also going to bring him up. Yeah? With the whole magic thing. Yeah, this is like that type of magic. So this is like ritual magic, and spells, I guess, are... Yeah, it, like it's also interchangeable with chapters. Like the the spells are divided into chapters. I like guess basically interchangeable. Um, but think of them as like like modern day like praying, um, and even uh, oh, even. God. Now listen to this uh, because this really fucking got me thinking. I bet it did. Now even <laughs> speaking and writing in Egypt at the time was seen as a form of ritual. Hieroglyphic script was held to have been invented by the god Thoth. Um, he was the god of wisdom, writing, hieroglyphic, science, magic, art, judgment, and the dead. Um, so Thoth, he got a lot of shit. That's actually who Aleister Crowley contacted when uh, he stayed in the pyramid. Remember we talked about that? And he scripted out the, uh, his like religious text, or I think it's like the Book of the Law, you know? Now... Maybe we are, I don't think we covered this yet, but is this the oldest afterlife theology that we can find? I do. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a historian. I'm I'm sure there was some type of, isn't like Zoroastrianism, like the oldest religion? Is that older than Egypt? I don't know what that is. I think I heard something while doing research that this might be one of the oldest religious texts, but you saying Zoroastrianism and all that kind of sounds like it could be. Yeah, I mean, there's well, I don't know. like there's for sure like pagan religions and shit that go back like further than this. Uh, okay, maybe okay. some shit with like hunter and gatherer societies, but like we were saying, like this is like, I guess the most modern what could be seen as a religious text, like you know rituals, like doing all this crazy shit, and like this is where all that shit comes from. I just feel like ancient Greek and Roman had some like crazy ass thoughts on the afterlife as well. well. Like- I was just saying, I feel like this kind of like touches on similar topics with the after, whole afterlife thing. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like you were saying, like a- any like culture across history has some type of view of the afterlife or like um, something that happens when you die or some type of religion that is like similar, um, you know. Now, I will say I did come across, since you mentioned ancient Greece, I did come across something about like ancient city of Atlantis maybe influencing these texts oh Oh, the egyptian ones yeah yeah i think i saw i actually did i was stumbling into a rabbit hole of like um traditions and like funeral traditions and i think one of them was talking about like atlantis with greek but you know we're not doing it on greek so i didn't really like look too much into it but maybe we get into that when we do our uh, episode on atlantis so getting right back to it now, hieroglyphics themselves were extremely powerful um, as written words conveyed the full force of a spell. So essentially like writing it is just as good as saying it. You know, it's not like the Necronomicon where you got to read it out loud. Uh, I think that's like, okay, going back to like we were talking about how Ani was a scribe or whatever. Not everybody in Egyptian society could write. So yeah, these guys that could write, they're making a killing on this stuff. Oh, you can't write? Guess what? Pay me. I'll write this book for you. Yeah, and I mean, also, like, most, um, I feel like, didn't a lot of people, like, just live in slavery? Like, peasants, you know? 
could these motherfuckers even read these books like they were supposed to? Yeah, yeah. They Dude. could just be writing, hey, fuck you, you're never going to read this anyway, so <laughs> thanks for the money, bitch. <laughs> Maybe there were some swindlers <laughs> like that. Um, now, Have a good afterlife, you sick son of a bitch. I mean, dude, I saw Prince of Egypt. Like, some of the peasants didn't look like they were living that bad. I don't think that that's historically accurate. I think it, I would beg to differ, dude. Uh, I did Disney a, co- movie? dude, I did a comparison to see, like, you know, which car, like, you know how they say all that shit, like Disney old, so it's fucking racist and all this shit like that. I mean, I didn't say that. But, but you know what I'm talking about? Like, they'll be like, oh, the Little Mermaid teaches kids that fat people are bad because Ursula's fat, you know? Like, shit like that. Okay. It's like subconsciously teaching kids. I, I studied that, and I did a thing on Prince of Egypt, and that's like Amblin Entertainment, so you know it's fucking Steven Spielberg. Like, I, apparently it is pretty uh, historically on point, you know? I mean, yeah. th- maybe they take some liberties with Moses and the whole burning bush thing, but... Some liberties. Um, <laughs> you know, like the the life itself, I guess, you know? And you watched Fantasia a lot and one day it just clicked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, so I guess like the basic structure of a lot of these books uh, or the Book of the Dead would be chapters 1 through 16. Um, now, again, there's a hu- over 193 spells. We're not going to get into each and every one, but I did pull out some of the best ones. Um, so chapters 1 through 16, this, the deceased would enter the tomb and descend to the underworld, and the body regains its powers of movement and speech. Uh, now, also in these chapters, they have a lot of hymns to the sun god, you know? Okay. Um, and, I mean, that's mostly what it is, is, hymns to the sun god. Now, then we get into chapters 17 through 63. Uh, these seem to be mostly dealing with the opening of the mouth ritual we discussed. Also, like most of these spells in this, in this section um, deal with protection, uh, including protection from snakes, uh, snake bites, crocodiles. Uh, there's even a spell in there so that you didn't die a second time in the realm of the dead. Shit, all right. Uh, and in, in one of these spells, the deceased takes on the identity of Ra and drives back eight crocodiles with a spear. Spell 32, an example of this would be uh, spell 32, which reads, Get back, you crocodile of the West, <laughs> who lives on the unwearying stars. Detestation of you is in my belly. For I have absorbed the power of Osiris, and I am Seth. Get back, you crocodile of the West. The now snake is in my belly, and I have not given myself to you. Your flame will not be on me. Is that Grinch-like? Yep. Uh, A little bit. Bitch! Um, It was a little bit more British-sounding, though. I'll give you that. Now, also, spell 40, um, this offers protection against... Him who swallowed an ass. And this was uh, a snake who is shown eating an ass. Sometimes it's ass eating season. <laughs> no, I guess it was like not like he was like licking their butthole, but he was like swallowing the whole thing. The whole thing, yeah. Um, that ass. <laughs> yeah, just a guy <laughs> bent over with his cheeks spread and a fucking serpent's in there with Can his we tongue. Make that our next year. <laughs> 
Like a fucking mommy eating ass. <laughs> no, it's a snake eating the ass of, of the a mommy. mommy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, it's spell forty. So it says that above just it. a bunch of hieroglyphs <laughs> above. Um, so then we get into like chapter 64 to 129. Uh, these deal with coming forth by day and having power over enemies. Um, spell 76 enables transformation into any form desired. Um, this is the first of a group of transformation spells going all the way up to spell 88. Both Um, good numbers right there. And these are about giving the deceased the power to take a number of different forms enabling them to travel the world of the living during the day and returning to the underworld at night. And uh, they get into spells focusing on like navigating the underworld, riding around in ferry boats, all that type of shit. Okay. Um, Now, also, if you could be anything you want, why would you have to ride a fucking ferry boat? (laughs) You don't want someone eating your ass, you know? <laughs> you don't want that serpent <laughs> eating your ass. If you're on the ferry boat, you're safe. Now, 125 and 126 are the only two that deal with judgment. And these, I believe, seem to be the most important. So I've saved these two for last. There is also a section of spell 127, which is particularly metal as fuck, I thought, uh, which reads... O you doorkeepers who guard your portals, who swallow souls and who gulp down the corpses of the dead, who pass by you when they are allotted into the house of destruction. May you guide the deceased. May you open the portals for him. May the earth open its caverns to him. May you make him triumphant over his enemies. Oh. Yeah, so rock the fuck on. Little double bass in there. Now chapters 130 to 189... Um, these deal with the deceased assuming power in the universe as one of the gods. Um, this section also includes assorted spells on protective amulets, uh, provision of food, and important places. Um, one of the better uh, spells in here is spell 148. Um, this deals with making provision for a spirit in the realm of the dead. The spell provides the name of the bull of heaven and his seven cows, providing an eternal supply of food and beer. Hell yes. (laughs) So, you know, they're fucking getting all the Budweiser they can handle out there. Now, now is this just based on the one book? There's everyone's book, including these. Yeah, it's like more or less like this is what the main spells are. It's kind of like interchangeable. Like some had different ones. Some had them in a different order maybe. Maybe you're Um, straight edge. You don't want that beer. Yeah, maybe maybe they don't want the beer. Um, It's customizable. That's my understanding. It's like if you go to the store and buy a book to study for the SAT, you could buy a $5 little like one or two page packet or you could spend like 100 bucks and get like the 30 chapter... Yeah. College textbook, yeah. Yeah, but back to- either way, at the end of the day, you got swindled. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and then there is the last of them. This is spell 189, and this is for not eating feces or drinking urine. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, we've all been there, am I right? Especially when you're eating ass. (laughs) You know, things get a little confusing (laughs) in the underworld. You're like, what the hell is this, a plate of shit or food, you know? Why is there a snake (laughs) eating my ass right now? Underworld sounds like a crazy place to do what it's called. It gets crazy down there. 
Um, so this is the one that I saved for the last because I think this is like one of the more important ones. Uh, this was like, I found a lot of information on this spell. Um, as we said, this is one of only two spells dealing with judgment. Um, and spell, this is spell 125, known as the weighing of the heart. Um, so this was, was like a ceremony, uh, or I guess a ritual, you would say. And uh, in this ceremony, so Adam, you're a mummy. You know, you're fucking around. You're trying not to eat shit. Your ass is you're getting eaten beer. by a snake. You got all the beer you can drink. Now, boom, you're called before Osiris with Anubis, and your heart would be weighed against the feather of Mott symbolically representing the concept of Mott, which is balance, harmony, order, yada, yada, yada. Um, this took place in the Hall of Two Truths. Uh, now, as we said earlier, this is why the hearts were left in mummies uh, while other organs were removed. Now, if the heart was found to be lighter or equal in weight to the feather, the deceased had led a virtuous life and would go on to Aru, or the Field of Reeds. Um, this was basically like a heavenly paradise where you would exist in pleasure for all eternity, just tending to your crops, you know? Yeah, because if getting all the beer and ass-eating you want isn't enough. Um, now, the, so your heart is equal or lighter than the feather. You're fucking, you're off to this field. This is like Field of Dreams type shit. You're out there with Kevin Cosner hitting baseballs, um, they will come. Now, the souls who qualify, um, they would go on a long journey, uh, face many perils before reaching this field. So this is, I guess, kind of like, okay, let me take that back. Let me rewind there. So your heart's lighter. Um, you have to then go on this journey. This is where all the other spells come in. And then you reach the field. You're fucking hitting baseballs with Kevin Cosner. Now... <laughs> Once they arrive, they would enter through a series of gates. Uh, the exact number of gates varies according to different sources. Some say 15, some say 21. Um, but they are uniformly described as guarded by evil demons armed with knives. Um, this is, again, you know, remaining spells help against this. Uh, this is like kind of like the spell Rob was reading, the metal one, talking about like opening up the doors and shit. That's like one of those. Now, let's say your heart was unworthy. You'd be, it would be eaten by Amit, uh, the demoness with the body of a lion, the ass of a hippopotamus, and the head of a crocodile. And its owner would be doomed to restlessness in the duat. Yeah, see, okay. <laughs> These are the problems that I have because, first off, if you make it through all this, all, all these trials and tribulations, yeah. your reward is you get to go to a field where you're farming for the rest of your life. Like we have people that came to America in this slave trade of yours that did not like, you know, working in the field. Now imagine doing that for the entirety of the afterlife. That sounds terrible. That's your reward. But you're also getting to drink all the beer that you want and get your ass eaten every day. <laughs> It's a, tr I'm it's sure a trade. There's plenty of that going. <laughs> yeah, but now someone's got to tend to these crops so you can eat all this food. Yeah, and I will say you got to think this is like a different time. You know, they didn't they didn't have like cell phones. That was cool shit to them. Back uh, then. Yeah, that was like the most virtuous <laughs> life was just fucking hanging <laughs> like, out, tending to your crops. 
Can't uh, wait to go fucking cut the fields today. And you're relaxing, dude. You're chilling, dude. I mean, to each his own. I, I'm not here to judge what everybody's afterlife is like. But then I was reading this, like, uh, like you're saying, you have all these spells because you're, apparently you interact with, like, different gods and beings and stuff. And they, like, ask you, and I guess we're going to get into this, like, oh, did you do this in your lifetime? And if you did, whatever they asked you, like, you're fucked. But apparently in the mummification process, over your heart, they would put this, like, purple beetle jewel or something. The amulet. Yeah, yeah, the amulet, right? And it yeah. may, like, because they believe that your heart is, like, what, where all your memories are, not your brain. That's why the brain is worthless. So then, like, if you have that amulet over you, you forget that you did these terrible things in life, and you're good, man. That's like me getting drunk and being like, oh, it doesn't count. Like, I was drunk. It never happened. Yeah, I mean, these guys had a real fucking laissez-faire attitude about <laughs> getting through these gays. That's what I'm saying. It didn't matter if you were a good person. The fu- Now, I didn't read too much into this amulet, but uh, that sounds like a fucking cool thing, you know? That's basically your get-out-of-jail-free card. Now, <laughs> now, let's get into some of these confessions uh, to round this one out, you know? Um, so let's say you're up there in front of the scale... Um, now let's, so there's like 42, I guess this is kind of like sins or, you know, like shit you shouldn't do. Now, number 19, (laughs) I have not been angry without just cause. Well, I guess fucking, um, Anubis never been on the fucking 405 in rush hour traffic, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I'm out of here on that one. Unless I got this amulet that lets me forget. I mean, that's a just cause, dude. You ever been hey, out I guess there? that is a just cause. But People um, driving like fucking idiots. Now, number 21, uh, <laughs> Adam, this is where you would be fucked. Uh, 21, <laughs> yeah. I have not debauched the wife of any man. Um, so, you know, right there, you're fucking, you're getting eaten by the alligator hippopotamus. What if it, what, he didn't know at first to his defense? Hey, it doesn't say, oh, precur, or, uh, <laughs> Parentheses doesn't count if you didn't know. <laughs> now we also I got now. So I'm reading through these other ones. Um, 34 and 35. Rob, you and me are fucked uh, because 34. I have seen you work witchcraft against the king numerous times. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 35. I have never stopped the flow of water. I think we all were building dams and creeks as little kids. So, you know. Did it work? Clogging toilets. <laughs> yeah, so we're screwed there. No, but I mean, some of these, you know, I have not polluted myself. Um, I have terrorized none. Um, I have never made anybody cry. Actually, you know which one I found the most interesting? Something. There's one that's in there. I have not masturbated in like a sacred place or something like that. Oh, so yeah. So like masturbating is okay, but as long as you didn't do it on sacred grounds. Mm, right oh, in. well, is your best friend's swimming pool sacred grounds? <laughs> is your closet sacred grounds? I don't know. I don't know. But Some either. might call it a temple. Now, <laughs> yeah, and also, you know, like not a man of violence. Um Wrong, none, done, no. Yeah, it's essentially like the Ten Commandments, really, but there's 42 of them. Um, But, you know, a lot of them are similar, 
But I, I think right. you could see this as like a precursor to the Ten Commandments. Um, but I guess you know if you if you did any of these, your heart's fucking weighing way more than a feather, and you, it's getting eaten. <laughs> so yeah, there you have it. I mean, Book of the Dead. Do you guys have any other thoughts on this, or um, what do we want to say? What can we say about it? what do we got for TLDL? T bags uh, idiot report. Basically, just keep in mind that. The Book of the Dead is not one book. Everybody gets their own custom copy as long as you have half a year's salary for it. Uh, be a decent human being and uh, you don't get your ass eaten in the afterlife. <laughs> there we go. There we have it. I mean, I learned some valuable lessons today. <laughs> and I mean, I was a skeptic at first, but now I'm thinking maybe I need myself one of these books. Yeah, honestly, after doing this one, I'm thinking I'm getting one of these books for when I die. I mean, if anybody listening wants to give me half a year's salary, I'll write one for you. Now, hey, mine ain't going to be no half a year's salary. I'm going to the budget um, Kmart version of (laughs) Blue Light Special. Yeah, I'm getting that Blue Light (laughs) Special Book of the Dead. Or do we want to go out the biggie way, dude? Fuck it. I want to go to hell. Well, I... the. I don't really want to be stuck in a place where I'm getting my ass eaten and eating shit and piss, you know? <laughs> or do you? By a snake. Well, maybe not. Maybe not by a snake. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> there you have it. The Egyptian Book of the Dead. Um, this was a fun one. Although not as like, I guess some of the mummy shit was pretty fucking gruesome, but not as really like um, brutal as I thought it would be, you know? Essentially, uh, more or less just like prayers to keep you safe in the Duat or the underworld. Um, you know, I was thinking it would be a lot more brutal, maybe more metal, um, you know, bringing people back from the dead, that type of thing. But hey, who knows? I thought we were doing some Ouija board type shit, bringing someone back to life, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like doing some, uh, some ritual magic of our own. Maybe we'll get into that if we do, if we're, if we ever do like an Alistair Crowley episode or something like that. We do some uh, Crowley-type rituals, you know? Mr. Crowley. Get real creepy. But um, there you have it, guys. Egyptian Book of the Dead. Um, Let us know your thoughts uh, if we miss anything. And if you guys want further readings on this, I wanted to cite uh, the History Channel documentary titled The Egyptian Book of the Dead. Um, FannyFay.com. This was where I got the whole, like, budge controversy. Some people have some really strong opinions about this man. And um, obviously, the Egyptian Book of the Dead itself, Penguin Classics First Edition is the one I was using. Nice. Um, So, yeah, there you have it. You know, we got another um, Halloween October themed episode for you next time. Uh, One more of those. I believe it it should drop Halloween Day uh, if we can get our schedules right. And um, then we'll be back with a few more listener requests peppered in here and there with some of our normal content that we've been working on for you guys. Um, So, you know, as always, thank you guys for listening. And on that. Uh, Just like Ryan said, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in, shouting us out, uh, sending us your requests. Uh, As always, feel free to hit us up on Instagram, Podcast from Outer Space. Also on our email, podcastfromouterspace at gmail.com or head over to the website, podcastfromouterspace.com. Maybe grab yourself a t-shirt, some stickers, uh, get yourself swagged out. Until next time, thanks for listening, guys.
So long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs>